Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Get Buckets podcast. We're doing everything a fantasy right now, counting down the days and the teams until we tip off basketball in just over a week's time now. So it's getting real. We're talking season 22-23, and as always, we're projecting forward all the picks that were made on Fantasy Draft Night for the Argat Buckets League. This is team number six. It's an interesting one now. We're getting closer to the end on, on kind of talking about all the players that are, are worthwhile talking about and projecting forward, and this was a fun one for a number of reasons, but mostly because I think I've been tiptoeing around and touching on the fact that the top 10 gets much more interesting after the top four um, have gone. So we're going to talk a little bit about where that kind of sets us up and all the picks for MJ and Kawhi wanted that Shay, which is a A-plus team name, which I think I said in the chat, and um, another um, really solid team photo to go with it. So um, it's going to be great. We've had more and more preseason basketball, um, some injuries, which is always a um, a rough thing to, to draft a guy and then have them injured before you get to fantasy proper. But um, And then the other kind of um, weird elephant in the room thing is, is Draymond Green is on the team drafted that we're going to talk about here in this pod. So we'll stick mainly to basketball and what he means for the team um, in the fantasy context. But, um, you know, obviously the whole personal... Um, reasons and everything that goes with how the players interact and get penalized flows directly into what his outlook is this year. But it's looking more and more likely that it's not going to really hang over too much, which I think is is probably embarrassing um, as, a, as an organization. But we will touch on that when we get to it. I think, as we said, pick number six here, is really interesting for a number of reasons. Because I think five, six, you could have gone in a number of directions and getting a pick in this position is probably not ideal because someone that you might have targeted, you could have got late in the first round because there was a number of wavelengths. I think a lot of coaches were on different planes in terms of who deserved to go, whether five, six or seven. Um, so getting it here is a little bit, uh, a hard one early because I think you really probably could have got some of the guys that you were happy with a little bit later and then come round on the turn a bit quicker. But the good thing, I think, for the whole context of, of the draft going, you know, in the middle region of the five to six is that you do have a balance in terms of the, the wait time into your picks and you can be a little bit more um, conscious of, of taking guys and letting guys go knowing that there's more chance that they're going to come to you on the swing um, and play a little bit hard and fast that way. But going into this year was hard because, you know, I was living with the trauma <laughs> that was taking Westbrook last year early. Um, and for me, going, you know, drawing this line in the sand almost between the top four and, and what the next group is going to look like, what I was really looking for was um, a platform baseline that is really, you know, high for for a player who's the number one option on the team, who's got kind of youth on their side, is looking, you know, with a health track record to play most games. The teams uh, are kind of good or looking to kind of push playoffs still. And, you know, with everything going right, they could look to make a, a jump, not just from like good to elite, but elite to um, upper echelon kind of guys. So I did 
you know, talk around what that, that next group looked like. And I did have players like Jason Tatum, Trey Young, and Ja Morant kind of in this group. Less on, on to, to those three was your Lamella Ball and um, even your Devin Booker. Um, but these were the, the, the names that kind of first came to mind that I think are uh, not as the risky kind of neck, next options to go after, um, you know, the top four have gone. So I, I had in my head um, those players and I did chop them, change them around. And obviously I landed on kind of Jason Tatum as his first kind of guy here. But a few of those ones were, were, were where my head was, you know, on, on where to kind of take the direction with the draft at this, you know, pick five, six region. Here, MJ has gone for James Harden in his sixth pick. So, I I really understand kind of where the the thought process is here in terms of okay, where do we go next? Jason, so James Harden has this you know unbelievable bona fide fantasy track record. He's in a position where you know he's taken a pay card. He's healthy, you know, as ever, or he has been in the last few years, and everyone's talking you know amazing things about him. The 76ers have got a little bit of a buzz. Um, I think the good thing about James Harden is he, he can be bad and still, you know, lazily put up, you know, eight assists, eight rebounds without you really um, catching it on TV. He's one of those ones where the numbers just kind of come because of the, the usage rate and the way he plays that there's no hockey assist with James Harden. Like, he does his bit of a work. The next pass usually results in, like, a shot um, for the person he's passed in or he's, like, looking to get his own shot up, um, always getting into, you know, the free throw line. And while the the counting, you know, percentages in terms of his step back threes and stuff have been looking really kind of gross over the last, you know, 18 to 24 months, even the eye test looks quite poor, he does it at a quantity that, you know, even when it's 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 bad, it, it kind of holds at least a certain amount of value that opens up, you know, some of the rest of the game. And he he's really kind of in tune with having these, you know, bursts and quarters to 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 get his um, average up in a way that obviously thirty one point six last year looks very healthy, trajecting forward. What I kind of didn't you know, like about James Harden is, you know, some of the signs that we saw last year of him really kind of declining in terms of his his health, but his mobility and his way of getting to the line. Like, I think I've been a big defender of um, him, you know, not really sometimes kind of creating the contact, but being, you know, quick and smart enough that, you know, when he goes under players and he's creating the angles and stuff like that, the onus is still on the defender to, to not kind of make the contact. Sometimes he obviously kind of goes into him, but I think there was um, a lot of calls that didn't go his way um, that he should have got. And I think, you know, forward after they corrected themselves last year, he ended up getting. I just, what I think is, you know, taking him as a a second option, you know, on a team so early, um, like I don't, you know, love, but in the case of James Harden, you know, there's extenuating circumstances given what he does and what the Sixers are doing. I just was quite happy to bet on other younger people around um, that I think are going to take a, a leap um, in, you know, the, the wake of James Harden's potential decline. Um, his health is another thing. The way he plays and the bad taste in my mouth <laughs> of him leaving maybe has some kind of predisposed um, negative connotations for him, for me to kind of bump him lower than he needs to be. But, you know, I did think that this was the year that I'd rather kind of go around a lot of other players for the top 10. So while I was 
I wasn't surprised he went this this early, number six. Um, I do think there's a long way for James Harden to go to to be a top five player again in this league, um, just because of people kind of moving around and, and and past him and him losing a bit of his you know his step to kind of get through defenders and um, really struggling. I think as much as you know in the isolation um, plays that he used to you know just kind of rinse and repeat to get his fantasy value with either you know this creating separation three or getting to the line and, and getting you your bonus kind of easy points so I think these things have looked harder for him over the last few months and um, we'll see kind of how it pans out with 76ers but I still think he's a really you know amazing fantasy option but I think it's it, we'll see if he's still you know this pick six so I'm not sure if other people were looking at him as, as still like a, a top you know, 10 pick, but I did have him as late as 14 on my board. Um, again, some of that probably um, <laughs> is me not, not liking how things kind of ended. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're one to watch moving forward. But next pick at Carl Anthony Towns at round, like pick 15. I had him higher than James Harden. I think this is a fantastic pick. It's one of those ones in round two that if he falls to you, you um, whoop and holler and, and find you know, every reason to kind of be happy with this. I had him at nine. I think the big, you know, question mark is around how his rebounds kind of go with Rudy Gobert in the fold. But I do think that an average of 32.3 last year um, is, you know, a sustainable kind of measure of where his value is. I think Minnesota get better. I think everyone around him gets better, but he can be more efficient. I still think, you know, he's offensive kind of weaponry has been a little bit untapped um, in a winning environment. And I think Carl Anthony Towns is still going to translate as a real kind of upper echelon fantasy option. I would have, you know, I did have question marks because of the Gobert thing. And is he going to just be able to to rebound to the, the rate that he, um, you know, has been and has done in the past? Um, there's a little bit for us to kind of see how the Minnesota thing goes and, you know, Anthony Edwards becoming more and more of maybe the number one option, but I think the the vast array of you know the skills and, and what Carl Anthony Towns does makes me very comfortable that after this block of young guys that I was you know aforementioned um, were gone, that I was really you know happy to kind of bet on a track record and a team that I think is going to be better and and competing in the you know the West, and I think Carl Anthony Towns has a you know a bit of a, a history around his intent um, and he kind of had some some really weird games in the playoffs last season. But um, I kind of like a lot of the things that I've heard him you know, say in the past and I think he's quite focused and um, I think if you think the 32.3 is, is replicable, um, I think it might be tough for him to kind of exceed it. But to get to that 30 mark again is something that... Um, once Sabonis went on the off the board, um, like even I had him, you know, before Sabonis, I, I, like I think these were the time for some of these big guys in the second round that I was, I was quite comfortable with um, taking, and, and he was probably the first one uh, to go. So I think that's a, a really good pick, um, and hopefully he does have a big one if James Harden kind of translates back a little. Um, the second or the first kind of inspiration for his team name here is Kawhi Leonard in his round three pick. So 
We're looking at 26. I, I know that I've spoken at length about this season's draft being interesting for a number of players who had, you know, returning, whether it's from absence from the team or injury or, um, you know, question marks around them being traded and their value. Um, I th- don't think I've really spoken about Kawhi Leonard in this bracket. I think maybe that's a... Um, a fault on my part, but I do think that the reason why I haven't really had Kawhi Leonard in this bracket is because I, I didn't think the question marks around where he's going to go and stuff were at the level of the others where I'm like, well, where's Ben Simmons or Westbrook or, um, you know, even Zion going to go? It was like, now Kawhi, I feel, is is uh, a known value of kind of what he does. But in saying that, like, I do think this known value was in the context of his value to a team exceeds his value in fantasy, that we are expecting, you know, a healthy Kawhi season still to be probably, you know, capped at that kind of 60 games um, because he's going to be resting back-to-back. So I think they still manage him. I mean, this is, you know, not a a solid, you know, um, guarantee, but I do think um, we've got enough track record to know that, you know, this is is part of how Kawhi Leonard approaches the season and that the Clippers are on board with this. Um, I think everything that he does in terms of the defense and the, the, the mid-range and um, the leadership and everything's really good. But again, like I don't think it you know comes to the the front in fantasy the way that um, you think for for a name who you know when he's on is your top ten player in the NBA. So I you know I was very happy to kind of have him a little bit below some of the the real movers and shakers and leaps forward this year or. or People were coming off, you know, a really big um, season last year. So I've got, had him at 38 on my big board. So I think, you know, there's a potential to say that, you know, uh, it's early because of what, you know, he hasn't played last year. Um, I do think it's probably roundabout where you, you take him if you're if you you're taking into consideration um, a healthy season kind of means 60 games because of, of what he does. Um but I really kind of thought that I'd be taking some of these young guys taking a jump over, even a lot of the Cleveland four. Um, the next round, we have the likes of DeMar Rosen and um, Kate Cunningham is a young guy that's, you know, I feel was was, was coming through who who is worthwhile kind of taking a, a punt on. And maybe, you know, that's um, a mistake <laughs> three, you know, months in when we see Kawhi Leonard kind of dominating. But I, I, I wasn't, I didn't have, you know, real concern on where to put him. I thought I thought firmly because of what was seen before, because the way he, you know, maxes out on his good games fantasy wise, um, because the Clippers are so deep with options and, and stuff they're gonna run through. If they're good in terms of the minutes he's gonna play, I don't think it's gonna be pushing the likes of some of these younger guys. I was really happy to kind of have him down after, you know, that real top end um and take him if he was there for me. So I think this is potentially the, the earlier end of, of where I think he should have been taken. Um, but I mean, he's quite Leonard. He's amazing. And he's someone that you want. Um, I just, we'll see how he goes, I guess. Um, next one is Shea Gilgis Alexander. And another one that had a little bit of a, an asterisk in terms of injury. I'm, you know, I was, I was happy that someone kind of called it out on the night. Cause I was unaware that he, he'd heard his, um, MCL, I think it was, you know, in a, a training kind of um, exercise before we drafted. So 
His status for the start of the regular season is unclear. He hasn't been ruled out, but you know, I'd be surprised, I think, if he's super healthy to start. It's um I don't I don't mind kind of taking him here in terms of the injury because I think the value of, of what he could look like at OKC as, you know, being their number one, um, the average of twenty eight last year, what it you know, him projecting forward in in wanting to you know increase that like I think it's all kind of comes together fine and I'm not too worried about the injury um I had him at 24 on my board he's been taken here at 35 I think that's you know really healthy on the nine I did think oh well maybe we bump him back <laughs> around or you know five more places just to kind of give him a little bit of breathing room I guess everything you kind of see in the stats is is undeniable for you to not have him on your radar at this point, what do does make me concerned and the com- repeated rhetoric around, you know, OKC and their winning direction and, and what they're looking at doing and how much, you know, does Shea have a part of, of what they're doing? Um, you know, they've shut him down in, you know, quotes, <laughs> air quotes here, um, you know, repeatedly over the past, you know, two seasons to protect their their draft um equity in the lottery and i like i will say you know with owning him last year his average of 28 was probably um the worst 28 average i've kind of seen in terms of the feeling of what you got from him kind of day to day because i felt like when he was you know fit and healthy he was you know a bankable the you know 28 average but he'd miss you know on and off days um, with little niggling injuries, you know, repeatedly, and it felt like he didn't have, you know, big impact on on weeks, and then he dropped like a forty-five on the last day when I'm like two hundred down. I know that's my fault, <laughs> and then forty-fives on on the last day is really really good if you're in a winning position. But it just felt a little bit numb last year that I wasn't, you know, getting the the value of what you'd expect from a twenty-eight averaging player. Um, you know, only scoring fifteen seventy in uh you know his season total for points so it just it it felt a lot you know um unsexy last year compared to to what i wanted it to be um so this year i came in you know with the mindset of you know you have to have him as high as you do because you know okc are are lacking of options outside himself and and giddy in the front court and um or the back court i should say and it's it's gonna only get better but there's a lot of question marks around it still. So I think this is a good time to get him if he's back early. If he misses a couple of weeks, it, it leaves like a little bit of a um, a rough taste in your mouth. But, you know, if you can get through this, you know, the first couple of rounds, if he's out, um, you know, with a win on the board and then it doesn't really matter and you, you kind of move forward hoping that um, this is the first full <laughs> Shea season we've, we've had in a couple of years. So... I think it's the right time to make this this acquisition. As I said, at him at twenty four, so um, I think you know he's easily a top thirty fantasy asset moving forward. Um, but there is a, a couple of question marks already hanging over him, which in his case um, isn't the player that you want to have question marks. Um, moving forward, DeAndre Aiden at pick forty six, I think is a real home run. Again. These picks I liked more on draft night, and then you leave hearing some of the stuff about Suns and how he hasn't talked to Monty Williams yet since Game 7 last year. 
it doesn't make me feel amazing, but again, like I, this is a lot later than I had him on the board. I thought last year was a real kind of shit one, obviously with his contract situation, but he still had a 26.1 average and that's without them really, um, you know, realizing the, the potential offensively that I think he has to, to bring to his game. Um, I still think he's a little bit of an untapped resource in terms of what he can do on offense and, you know, the pick and roll game. And we showed, we saw glimpses of that at different elements uh, in last, you know, the playoff season where they, they got to the championship final and, and, you know, just fell short. Like, I think there's stuff that I thought would translate last year that didn't, that still has this potential to, to, to go. And looking at his average of 26.1, I'm like, yep, I think everything, you know, can go forward. I had him at 33 on my board. So the fact that he's 46 here, I feel really, really good about that. Obviously, the downside, and these are the downsides, why these players that I've, like, I really like um, just in the context of them in fantasy do slip a little bit. I guess it's because, you know, obviously, there's still, you know, a little bit of trade rumors. They match his um, his contract through restricted free agency. Um, but where is, you know, him placed in the the Phoenix's plan long-term. There's question marks around Phoenix now with Rob Sava, you know, for being forced to sell. I, you know, have been on podcast record with De'Aaron Fox being very strongly that you don't need to give him the max when you, you haven't, you know, seen anyone kind of willing to pay it and you get to that point where, you know, if he, if he does, you know, earns the max contract and, and you, you, you're able to, to match any restricted free agency and you can just do it, no harm, no foul. But it does feel like in this situation, it was a little bit more of a no-brainer. You've come off a final series. You want to kind of lock in um, your commitment to a guy um, moving forward where you, you kind of, you've got a, a baseline that I feel really comfortable with. With Darren Fox, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not sure where it fits in and where the, the, the team's going. So while I think you not automatically offering a max extension when you don't need to is an option for teams more than, than ones want to ex- explore. In this case, it did feel a little bit cheap. It did feel like it was putting offside a guy who maybe mentally and emotionally isn't at the level that other players, and that's the knock. Like, okay, well, feed that through to your game and kind of respond, and the responses you know, felt a little bit all over the place and there's, there's worries of, of where he is, you know, his place in the team now, you know, if he feels slighted. The end result, though, is he's got his bag. The Phoenix Suns should still be, you know, a, a challenger to the West and, and moving upward with the, the, the players that they've got. And I think DeAndre Ayton, you know, he's the one that I think, you know, has more improvement than anyone else on that team, you know, potentially and in fantasy. Like, I do think it a real green light scenario is that he, he outplays his 26.1 um, comfortably. And I think, you know, past few years, I've had him as high as, you know, a 20 on my board and he's kind of been dropped back, you know, due to circumstances, but because he's so young and all the things he could do, I, um, I'm i a big fan of, of, of this pick here. So um, probably he's one of, you know, he's my favorite pick for him across the board um, because I think even if things go you know, haywire, dog shit, he gives you a borderline value that you could really bank on and maybe even a trades situation is a good fantasy um, outcome for you um, in the end, which I um, think on a lot of players 
is is not kind of beneficial to to be really good in fantasy and trade and, and keep your value unless you're you know a real ton of top twenty guys. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. Next pick we go through and Nikola Vucevic was on draft night. I think a steal. Um, and I still kind of feel like that. I think 55 for a player that averaged 26.7 last year is a no-brainer. Um, I literally had Vucevic a couple after Kawhi when I said, you know, bracket of players that I love, um, drop off, this is where I feel Kawhi is, into the next kind of group of players that historically have been amazing and you can bank on and I don't see any real, um, you know, challenge to, to their output this year unless... Um, there's a change in, you know, situation um, or environment. But I think Vucevic is, um, because of his contract and the situation, you know, the the number one center moving forward and his average of 26.7 last year, I think um, despite his limitations <laughs> as a player, um, you know, shows off full well, you know, the the output that he, he's got, you know, all the way back to, to a couple really solid Orlando years. So the fact that I think everyone, again, just kind of overlooked him to kind of go in the area of, of some other players that I think they might vault up this year has has paved the way for, for someone um, who I think is in any position to get close to um, an amazing average of 26.7, um, you know, fall to a round six pick. And I think MJ's had a history and, and you know, being very willing to kind of take um, the guys that others don't want with a really healthy success rate, um, and I think Vucevic is a is a great example of this, and someone I would have taken with the next pick had he slipped. I think so. Um, yeah, I know you know people are down on Vucevic, and I don't blame them as a player. And there's question marks in Chicago. The Drummond thing, I don't think factors in too much. I think you know Drummond becomes fantasy valuable because of his rebounding rate in limited minutes off the bench but I don't think it impacts um, you know what Vucevic does I don't think they're playing him together I think um, he, he's he's there at Chicago to do you know what he does and Chicago the the, the um, what is it things will will lay as they fall and we'll see you know if they win enough games to, to push kind of play in or, or playoffs um, but I'm comfortable with what, what he does there. The Vooch, um, great pick. Next, and then, okay, we've got a string of centers here <laughs> that we called out on, on draft night. And Yusuf Nurkic feels very Vucevic-ish in terms of like, oh, I don't know if I need another center, but I mean, he's a guy that just averaged that much last year when he played that it'd be silly for me not to take him. Other people have kind of um, let this guy fall to me. So 25.2 average last year. Like the health, the thing, I feel a lot more bankable with Aiden and Vucevic than I do Nurkic, even knowing, you know, the averages are kind of, you know, similar. But I mean, that's why he's probably gone later because we know who he is when he plays and we know he kind of fits very comfortable into to Portland. But I don't know what Portland are doing this year. I think they're going to be bad. I think his injury, you know, we've shown and seen, you know, year after year that he can't be relied on. Um, I was really down on him last year because I think he was going to um, take a step back, but that wasn't seen to be true. It, like I said, when they lent on him, he still had this kind of weird physical offensive game that works. Um, he gets buckets. 
he he doesn't jump that much, but you know he clears out. You know in terms of doing a lot, he's he's rebounding below the rim. Um, you know, interesting personality. <laughs> they like I think Lillard really likes him. They've you know bought in on on what he looks like. Um, but there's a reason that he slipped. You know to round seven. Um, probably no one after him. Um, and I'll pick myself up if it's wrong, but. On first look, I don't think anyone after him averaged as much as he did um, that got selected. And there's yeah, there's a little bit of a reason because people don't want to to bank on a guy who's missed a lot of games who um, is not kind of super reliable, I guess, um, to build around. But again, I think it's just it's it's hard to to pass up because if it goes right, he becomes a you know, your seventh <laughs> option that can give you a top 50 kind of value. So um, where if this kind of paves right, and we've seen, you know, most of the time he gets picked this round and kind of outperforms that, um, that it's 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 going to be a big piece of uh, this team's push to, you know, make playoffs and, and maybe go all the way um, of getting value like, like no one else is probably going to give you this late in the draft, but you're betting on, you know, things to kind of go well and Portland to hang, hold it together. I think a little bit, um, which is not a bet that everyone I think wanted to make. Uh, moving forward, Tobias Harris, again, um, you know, not sexy. Tobias Harris kind of you know tapped out his his potential, and I think people uh, get a bit out and like don't understand exactly you know the stats that he's putting up day to day because he's in the shadow of not only the drama that was at, at 76ers last year, but now James Harden and, you know, Embiid and even Tyrus Maxey to an extent. Um, I think we've kind of seen what we've seen from Tobias Harris. So 22.3 average last year. Had him at 77 on my big board. Again, one of those players that I'm very happy to kind of push down with other people um, being more attractive to take a vault over, but there's only a certain amount of point you can't, you can push him back until you respect what he's done and the minute allotment and focus he's going to be. Doc Rivers is very happy to kind of plug and play in a lot of lineups. He's got a, you know, a very reliable three-point shootout for, you know, someone who can do a lot of his, you know, scoring, um, driving to the basket as well. So I think a lot of the, the things pave the way to a well-rounded fantasy output once again. Um, we're not going to, I don't think, see, you know, a leap from Tobias Harris, but at pick 75, I think, you know, it's basically where I had him um, penciled to go. Um, and he's he's someone that I think, you know, plays and, and can be relied on to, to fill a hole. So nothing negative or extremely positive to say, but, you know, Tobias Harris is, is a value kind of that you get here and I'm happy to take him. Um, and next pick, I think, if I've had, you know, talk about being consistently, you know, maybe down on, on MJ kind of drafting to formula um, and I should say, you know, in a successful way, like it'd be a miss of me to kind of not pat him on the back on a real kind of um, forward-thinking sleeper kind of out of the, um, the blue pick here with Trey Jones. So I think this is, you know, a step outside of the usual draft strategy for MJ who's, you know, identified a guy that he wants to kind of go through, you know, maybe earlier than other people. So I think in in that aspect, it's a it's a really kind of nice move to complement a lot of the other players that you've got um, 
that I think you know have the potential to to outplay their position purely based on um, a, a certainty. Whereas uh, this pick is a lot of risk involved. Trey Jones at number eighty six is picked based purely, I think, on the projection that he's the starting San Antonio point gun, which is less of a projection, projection and a known fact that that's where they're kind of going to start the season. Um, and, you know, the fact that the absence of Dejounte Murray, Murray not only just opens a, a positional um, kind of uh, place for him to move in, but also him being such a dominant fantasy um, player last year for the Spurs opens up a lot of the the statistical kind of counting points to the rest of the team. So not only does he fill the void positionally, but maybe he fills uh, an increased void um, statistically as well. So I like all the thought process behind it. Um, where I get worried is he's coming off a, a basis of really not much basketball in terms of playing high minutes, um, a lot of games. I think he started 13 games um, on the back end of, of last year and had like a nice kind of rounded fantasy output that you look at that and say, well, that's, you know, the, the floor of what I'm hoping for next year. And I think that's, um, you know, a smart way to looking at it. But, you know, I am concerned that we haven't really seen consistently anything from Trey Jones that makes me want to automatically be like, okay, he's going to, to fill a certain amount of a void. And I think you can get caught up a little bit in the, the thought process of, oh, well, starting point guard for a team means, a certain amount of, of fantasy points. So I think the thought process is great. Um, I don't know what Trey Jones is um, and I don't think a lot of people know. So we're going to kind of have <laughs> a journey together on, on where he lands. So I do think, you know, in the top 100 is early for Trey. Um, but I mean, it does depend on how kind of other Spurs players um, kind of fit in around him. So, you know, I was thinking that he would be you know, around that kind of 120 to 130 mark um, on the day. So I think he's 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 highlighted his man and gone for him maybe a little bit early. But I think based on everything I've said there, he's going to get a look in. Um, so he's going to be, you know, one to, to hold on to all season and own because, you know, unless anything happens, he's 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 got that kind of opportunity for, for to progress. I just think there's, there's other people around him um, that were probably safer and more exciting picks. And if he if he doesn't really show as much, you know, I think he's, you know, averaged less, you know, like eight, you know, shot attempts, I think, on the course of his career. You know, that needs to, you know, double. And, and there's there's a lot of huge stat leaps that I think you you need, you'll be banking on for, for it to be, um, you know, payoff at, at round nine here. So we'll see how it goes. Um, next one, Josh Hart. Uh, you know, really healthy average from last year. I think he feels very comfortable in Portland. I think they're going to play him. I think he, you know, is one that is not going to stand out from night to night. Um, And you're thinking he's going to carve out like a certain amount of kind of like points and rebounds consistently um, for you to to take him as, you know, Portland's, you know, fourth or fifth option when they're starting five. Um, So around pick 95 here. It's probably where, you know, I feel feel comfortable with him. I had him at 108 on my board um, just because, like, I'm not sure if some of the things we saw last season was really peak Josh Hart um, and he's he, he feels like he's a player, he's, you know, plug and play and 
depending on the situation that changes, he's the first one to kind of suffer with some of his value. He always seems to, you know, be um, in trades <laughs> and move around the league. But everywhere he goes, I think you can bank on um, what he does. And I think he's a coach's darling and he tries really hard. And I think it all comes together. It's just one of those ones, again, where it's hard to get super excited for, for a next kind of step. Um, but someone that should mesh with your team quite well. Um, yeah, again, in the same form as Tobias Harris. This is where he needed to get picked and um, he goes there. So if, as long as he you know, gives everything that you'd expect from him, he, he evens out as a, a, a fine pick. <laughs> um, Harrison Barnes, I like really like and continue to like Harrison Barnes. I wouldn't have taken him much earlier. But every year we kind of say that, and I think he outperforms. Um, there's there's not that a lot that I haven't already said in terms of Harrison Barnes that he can plug and play a few roles. He's he's you know very reliable and you know increasingly so even you know as he gets older in terms of uh, his wing defense, his three point shot is is really reliable. Offensively has always been like his his go to kind of game, but in the um, uh, scenario of you know Sacramento, he's, he has added you know a little bit more of that kind of um, rebounding that we saw glimpses of um, you know at Dallas that was less consistent, and you know he topped off at being like early on last season like a really really um, bankable fantasy player. I guess where the um, the worry is is that Sacramento continued to be shit, and he's like a fix it kind of guy. And I still think he has his real veteran presence that makes him invalu- like invaluable to um, what they're doing. But with the likes of Keegan Murray and putting in whether it's you know your, your Davian Mitchell or, or other guys, I just think there's going to come a time where they're going to try to see if these other guys can kind of push them forward a little bit more and what that impact has on Harrison Barnes' kind of role. Um one that's like a weird one to kind of peg based on how, you know, reliable he was last year. 19.9 average, so just short of, of the 20. I had him at 94 on my board, so to get him at 106, I think, again, fair, um, you know, around kind of later than potentially, you know, where I had him. So I think he, he rounds out um, your team in, in a real nice way. I just don't think we're going to get to the scenario where, you know, he's been top 10 in minutes um, in seasons previous because Sacramento just don't have reliable options. <laughs> um, I think they're more of a complete team this year. Next pick, we have Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I can get on board with this in the same vein as a Trey Jones and even in a more way because I think we've got a- an idea of what Spencer Dinwiddie can look like with increased um, shots and, and his confidence in, in being that guy and doing that before. Um, obviously, the Luca part of it means that um, the oxygen's kind of sucked with, with, with Luca being the head of the, the snake when he's on the court. But I do think, you know, they, they will kind of stagger him and he'll get a little bit of run of, of point guard when they, you know, can moving forward. The absence of Jalen Bronson obviously is the, the obvious take that he'll, you know, fill some of that void that we've, you know, got him in the Porzingis trade for a reason um, and then he kind of projects kind of well with his points and stuff. So I had him quite high last year because I thought he was going to play a real big role in Washington. Didn't really pan out, obviously, with the trade. 
but I think Dallas have a lot of interesting basketball pieces to fit around Luca, but not a lot of guys that can kind of create their own shot. And Spencer Dibwitty is really reliable at doing that. Um, average of 18 last year, which I think he can really kind of push. Had him at 92 on my board, so to get him at 115 here consistently, again, I think with a lot of the picks is really roundabout where you kind of take him and you can feel feel pretty happy of, of what he's going to give you um, for a round 12 value moving forward for the season. Uh, Draymond Green, the next pick, in the same vein as I think Nurkic a little bit that people know what he's going to give you and kind of want to take you at a certain point but feel a little bit gross doing so. Um, I guess the, the, the extra thing with Draymond Green is... And patches last year, he, he looked a bit rough, especially the scoring. We only you know have to talk about the first two or three games of of the final series where he really, really struggled to, to get gets anything offensively going. The three-point shot has, has really kind of plummeted. Um, so, again, you're leaning on Draymond Green to do all the things that Draymond Green does in terms of rebounds and assists and steals and defense and be that anchor, you know, leadership-wise and... Um, whether it's small ball five or playing next to um, a Wiseman or a Looney, like he just all the intangibles is what you you're banking on. So even when you get offensive nights off, um, he puts together quite a nice nice fantasy line. Twenty point eight was his average last year. I think out of respect again of what he's done, I had him at one hundred nine on my board, but I really didn't kind of want to take him. Um, not only because I think things trend down and it's looking a little bit scary in terms of his age, but um, because he's a trash person <laughs> and that's before everything has happened. Um, but yeah, I think you, you get someone who, who's, again, probably going to outperform his place, assuming he's on the court. He's in a contract year and we've heard a lot more about that the last week. So I do think he has a point to prove and his value to the franchise. Um, so 126, I think, is relatively risk-free for someone like Draymond Green um, who can really kind of pay off for you. You just have to live with the fact that you've got Draymond Green on your team. But, you know, you, you take you take these hits and sacrifices if you want to win fantasy. So I'm sure in the wash, coach isn't going to care. Looks like he's not going to get suspended, which I think is... Um, Dumbfounded, I guess, is is the word given the the footage we we've seen, because there was a real you know chance there that he'd, at least I was thinking, miss a portion of the season. But um, looks like green light, and that was unintended. <laughs> uh, a couple of picks left. Mark Alfultz, unfortunate that he that he kind of is injured. Um, very, very worthwhile late round pick. Had him to kind of take a risk on. It's never really come together, but the glimpse we've seen, I've seen that um, there's really something there. I guess the thing is, I do think Orlando would have been looking at him as a starting kind of point guard option. Um, that would have been healthy, but now it's all kind of up in the place with Mark Alfultz out and Jalen Suggs out. Um, that Cole Anthony potentially again comes to the, the front. And then I think there's a little bit of a, a rotation block that if Mark Affords could have started ahead of these guys and had a really good start of the season, um, there's a way this could have really um, kind of played well as a, such a nice late pick. But 
I think now that he's kind of potentially injury has pushed him down the 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 pecking order, uh, we need to wait for him to get healthy and kind of work his way back. And I think it's just going to be a a tough owner to start. But if you can stash him and, and hopefully hold him there, you know, beyond his return, I think that that's the way to go. Um, to because I think it might take a while. And hopefully, if we we do see kind of some consistency from him, it's a it's an interesting and good pick here. Um, but yeah. Last but not least, we have Deshaun Tate, and I think it's a relatively risk-free one. I think we've seen with kind of the uncertainty in Houston, him being such a versatile plug-and-play guy in in kind of the same way that Harrison Barnes had his value, I think, in terms of you can really put him in an array of a different, you know, five-man lineups and they make him better. Um, Deshaun takes that to, you know, a lesser extent of all the, um, the offensive output, but... Um, He's, you know, shown, I think he led the league in fouls last year that Houston, you know, like him. And I think we've, we've had, a, you know, a lot of good kind of burst out games from Deshaun Tate to, to show that, you know, it's not just a flash in the pan stuff. You know, two seasons ago was real enough that last year he provided a consistent value across the season um, for, for the coach to end him. I think the worry is now, um, you know, they've dipped down once again into the, the draft and they bring in a couple of guys, whether it's, Tari Eason or um, obviously Jabari Smith Jr. where um, there's competition for for a fantasy um, like role uh, for people to carve out and he might get bumped down the chain. Um, so I think, you know, potentially this is the year that he's not in the top 150 and he, he's not rostered. But I think, you know, it's a, it's a, a risk that you can easily make in round 15. So um, all power to you. I think it's fine. Um, rounding out now, so that's kind of a, a quick overthought of, of Kawhi won at that Shea this year. So, again, I think I've spoke to you. I think his best pick is DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I could really get behind that one. I think at 46, that's that's value for someone that was, you know, the number one pick. You know, not as long ago as you'd think <laughs> with the Suns doing what they're doing. Happy to do that. Um, the worst picks are hard. I don't think you know, any kind of stand out as like awful. Um, I think purely because we kind of have to feel something. I think Josh Hart in the top 100, just because I think top 100 and there's still stacks of kind of players who went in the next couple of rounds that I think can really, you know, if things break right, do really well. So I think it's more of it's not a bad pick, but it's a lost opportunity. Um, wild card is probably... Um, Yusuf Nurkic, if he can stay healthy, the variance, I think, of, of him con- contributing weekly to a really competitive team um, is, you know, really positive, but the, the swing's negative. Um, if he can't, you know, be on the team and, and if Portland um, take a couple of weird turns, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. And the sleep is Trey Jones, for sure. Um, really kind of doubled down and bet on um, Trey this year, and I think we'll see... It may be a bit of a slow burn, but it could it could pay out and it could um, kind of cost him because he's gone so early with him. So um, interesting, uh, fun team to to project out and another another one in the can. So uh, again, hope you've enjoyed all of these ones and um, get a kick out of this. And we'll continue to pump them out as quick as we can. Thanks, guys.